Psalms chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. And, you know, as I chose that song right now to sing, I didn't know that these words were in the song. But that's the Lord. Wow, that's God. Psalms 4, 4 and 5. How many have Psalms 4, 4 already? See those first three words in the King James? Uh, I, what does it say there? Stand in awe. Hallelujah. That's the Lord. That's all I can tell you. Uh, I believe I could stop right now. Feel the presence of God. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your what? Bed and be still. Someday I'll speak on Selah. Maybe soon. Verse 5. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. Father, I trust that you would just move by your powerful presence. I know that you're here, Lord God, and I know that you've already orchestrated this entire 9 o'clock service, Lord God, separated unto you. Lord, allow us to be shaken from our mistaken ways. I bless you and honor you in Jesus' name. Everybody together said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. You may have your seat. And again, that is the title of my sermon, and I mentioned it yesterday. Shaken, like shaking the bait. Shaken from our mistaken ways. All right? Ways you can just put in parentheses. But the title is Shaken from Our Mistaken. All right, Ray? Don't be mistaken on your, the title. Praise God. Now, I'm going to be dissecting these, or, or, or you know, we're going to be cutting up, expositing, preachers like to call it, all right? Dissecting these two verses here this morning, Final Psalms 4 4. Words like awe, I stand in awe. Words like fear and trembling and holiness. They're often neglected nowadays by preachers preaching on it, sin, preaching on sin, and also by Christians. Sometimes they're even omitted. Sometimes they're almost totally obsolete, but they're found in God's Word. We're going to be dealing with that here this morning, though. See, Christians seem to like words like blessed. How are you doing? I'm blessed. Uh, uh, nobody likes to say, I'm trembling right now. Uh, uh. No, they, they like words like happiness and success. Oh, I mean, you go to any bookstore and you, you, there's all kinds of books on how to find, you know, success in so many ways. Christians love those words. Roy's been preaching about that. Joy and peace, comfort. We like those words. Oh, comfort. But David prefers here to use words like sin. He uses words like awe. See, David was thinking about eternity. Okay, that's, that's where his mind was fresh from. He'd been thinking about eternity and he'd had a vision of, of the great white throne of the judgment of God. David had been meditating on the terror and the wrath of the Lord. And it's good to do that sometimes. It's good to think about heaven and hell. I mean, uh, they have a new play that they just did over in uh, Santa Maria. My son saw it. It's called Hell's Chambers. And they tell me it was powerful because the scene of hell was very, very explicit. Uh, they had all kinds of visitors the next day to their church. Uh, they had 49 new people at their picnic. Uh, I mean, you know, God's moving. But they did that, that hell's chambers. And it scared the hell out of people. Uh, but sometimes we need to do that. David had just gotten from that. That's where his mind was coming from. He'd been thinking a little bit on eternity and a little bit about hell. Thus, my friend, that's 
You know, thoughts of unholiness were upon his mind. Thoughts of judgment and, and, and you know, these had served to have careless and his carefree kind of a lifestyle sharply arrested. That's what they do. Listen to what I just said right there. When you think about these things, then your lifestyle becomes altered, sharply arrested. When you begin to think about these things, okay, you're, you're, you're not so careless anymore. You're not so carefree. Merrily, 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 merrily. Christianity is but a dream. We can get like that sometimes. We can become careless and carefree. Suddenly, David's carelessness is changed into trembling. He says, man, I can't have same old, same old. It can't be church as usual. It can't be Christianity as usual. A lot of us do that. We just float along merrily down the Christian river, down the Christian road. See, his indifference is turned to awe. Carelessness and indifference. We've studied the word indifference, right? Right, married couples? Just before divorce comes indifference. We've studied that. Now you, you singles, listen to what I'm saying right now. When, well, when a person's indifferent, we've talked about that. One counselor has told us that whenever he goes to counsel a couple, and either the woman, and it's usually the woman, but sometimes it's the man, ladies. If they are indifferent, what does he do? He closes in prayer. He doesn't even open in prayer, he says. When he sees either the husband is over. Or especially the wife. And this guy's very adept in counseling. He's one of the best counselors I know, if not the best. Uh, this guy's back. And he's told me, you know what, Steve? When I see either one of these indifferent, he says, I don't even open in prayer. I close in prayer and I go home. I told the guy, man, you're cold. He says, sorry. He says, I've been doing this for 20-some years. He says, I tried it before. I, Come on, until I, I, I was blue in the face. Ah, this doesn't work. I already know. I'm just learned counselor. It's indifferent. So divorce happens when one of them, when either party's not willing to, to play anymore. That's why he says, man, if there's just a crack, Thomas said, unless I see the nail prints in his hand. Remember that? They call him what? He's not really doubting. He's saying, listen, if, if I could just, just a little crack, Jesus can show him the prints in his hands. No problem. Hey, then you don't have to doubt, Thomas, because look at my hands. That's me. I have resurrected. I am in my glorified body. Are you with me? But I don't lose you right there. Ah, see, so Thomas wasn't indifferent. There was a little bit of hope in him. Unless I see my husband. Ah, there's hope. Uh, all right, honey, I'll change. What do you want? Throw out the trash. No, I won't do that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, sorry. Uh, see, indifferent. And that's what can happen when we become careless. We divorce the Lord. Uh, we're indifferent now. And we can become indifferent. Same old, same old Christianity. David says, no, we have to be shaken of our mistaken ways. See, whenever I get on my wife's bad side or wrong side, close your ears, honey. She lets me know it. She lets me know it. And some of you that know Joseph, you know how she is. You know, what she does is, she's like, she's like right now with her face. He didn't ask me. Can I? Thank you. She's like, I'm like, uh-oh. What do I do now? Huh? She lets me know it. That, you know, I take one look at her and I know, it's on, buddy. It's on. Something's up and it ain't me. Ah, Because I've done something that she didn't approve of. How many husbands can say amen to that? Single men, you'll find out someday. It's that look. Just one look. 
Uh, they have that. And God's like my wife. God's like Josie. Uh, see, all of us could go about our carefree, joyful, comfortable ways unless God encounters us with that solemn, chilly, confronting Josie face. Because I would be, I would be, I'd be, yeah. But my wife knows. Steve's got to be shortstopped here. He's out of line. And I don't know. And I'm carefully going around, you know. Oh, yes. Heart blessed. We're doing great. Man, our, our, our marriage is like hunky-dory with a cherry on top. Until you look at my wife. Well, it was in my mind. See, but I got to be shortstopped. No, no. Things are not always as they seem, Steve. You might think that. But look at the trash. Okay. Uh, see, the Bible says, the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. Sometimes we can be thinking we're doing right. Uh, all carefree, all careless, indifferent, if you will, to the things of God. We don't care about the things. We think we're all right, but we're not. And God's face is against those that do evil. We're probably doing evil. And all of a sudden, we take one look at God and we say, oh, oh. What did I do wrong? Tell me. Uh, and we need that. We must catch a glimpse uh, of the chilly glare of God. Stay with me. We got to catch his face like that. If we are ever to be shaken from our mistaken ways, we have to catch a glimpse of God. Take the time to check him out. How am I doing, God? You can tell by his countenance. You can tell by the face that he's given us. And so many of us Christians, and Christians included, we got some heavy, mistaken ways because we think we're okay. Uh, where we think we're all right, but we're really not. That's, my friend, that's when we need to be, you know, spiritually shortstopped, spiritually awakened by God. Uh, out of our mistaken stupor. Because that's what it is. We're just doing business as, as usual. Christianity as usual. We got to be shaken from that. Sometimes we need to, you know, a powerful dose of fruitful fear, if you will. Righteous fright. Righteous fright and fruitful fear. Fear is good for you sometimes. It's the beginning of wisdom. Does this proverb say that? The fear of the Lord. But a lot of us, oh, we're all chummy with God. He's my friend. <laughs> it's all sovereign God. Uh, all powerful God. See, to many, too often, we lose that fear and that trembling. We do that. We think he's our chum. See, they're not working out their own salvation. They're coasting on some false notions regarding Christianity. We get like that. We're coasting in our Christianity on false notions that we're okay with God. And we're not. We're not. We are avoiding the white face of God. The white throne judgment. His white face. And we're looking only for sweet Jesus. Sweet Jesus. You ever remember? Sweet Jesus. Huh? Sweet Jesus, hallelujah, huh? See, this is the point where the promises of God become more harmful than good. Did you hear what I said? Stay with me right here. When we get to this point, the promises of God become more, you know, harmful than good to us. Because we're concentrating only on his promises and we neglect God's anger and God's wrath upon our lives. Oh, I'm blessed. blessed. All we're doing is claiming the promises of God, but we're forgetting uh, the power of God. Uh, the wrath and the anger of God, the terror of God. Even in our choice of music, we prefer songs or hymns of, of honey. I, I, I choose to call it hymns of honey. 
over hymns of, of, of alarm and of judgment. Uh, we want to sing of the sweet by and by rather than the holy here and now. In the sweet by and by. But how about the here and now? Uh, what things that we're going through right now? Sweet Jesus. Uh, see, we prefer the sweet Jesus rather than the Jesus of Revelations 19. Dressed in all white. Coming in a white horse. And in uh, Revelations 19, he's coming in judgment. He's coming again, but he, you know, he, he's coming here in judgment. To judge us of our sins. See, we more often than not, we need to be reminded of the awful face of God. By remembering verses like, many shall say in that day, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out devils in your name. But God will say, the Bible says, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. I mean, that shakes preachers. I mean, I, I've prophesied in his name. I've cast out devils. I've done all kinds of things for God. It's talking even here to preachers. God's not going for the body. He's going for the head right here. Ah, straight up, Fernando Vargas. Pa. Ah, he's going to depart from me. I, I didn't know you. I never knew you. But God, I was pastor of Victor Outreach Hayward, a thriving church. Pa. And if he's going to go with the head, he can get the body. And you're the body. <laughs> uh, depart from me and be cast to the lake of fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. There's scriptures like that. Ah. Uh, they deal with Christians as well. See, those verses are designed to assist us uh, and to assist Psalms 4.4 and to make us stand in awe. Did you hear what I said? Those verses like that in the New Testament are designed to augment and to complement Psalms 4.4 to make us stand in awe. Because too many of us are too careful. We don't stand in awe of God's presence. The sun rises, the sun sets. Oh, how easy a Christian forgets uh, who God really is. Uh, the awesome terror of the Lord. But in omitting and leaving out the terror of God, we all can fall, you know, in love with sweet Jesus, but we don't hate sin. And we preached about that about three months ago. Yes, you got to love God, sweet Jesus, but then you got to hate sin. A lot of us don't. That's why we don't make it. Uh, I mean, the men's home, you guys love God? But odds are, guys, sorry, but odds are, I'm preaching you guys right now. Uh, and they love God. They just said they love God. I believe them. But do you hate sin? That's, that's another, because that's a, you let me know in three years. Uh, hallelujah. You say amen in three years. Uh, oh, now church, I want to see you here in three years too. Ah. Uh, I mean, a lot of us love the Lord. Oh, I love you, Lord, but we don't hate sin. Uh, we got we to gotta respect the things of God. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Uh, it's an awful thing. We got to be careful. See, somebody once said, and listen to this. I wrote it down. They said this. The net of the gospel must be weighed down with the lead weights of the terror of the law of God. Or it would float too lightly on grace alone on the surface and thus, never catch any fish. I don't think you understood what I said. Let me just say that again. The, the net of the gospel, it has to be weighed down with the letter of the law. Uh, or else it's not going to be strong enough or it's not going to carry enough weight 
to go way down deep. And every, any of you that have ever fished like that on a net, you got to have weights down there in order to catch a fish. So the net will go down there. Because if you don't got the full gospel, you ain't going to catch no fish. Because grace alone, oh, whatever's clever, Trevor, God will forgive you. you know, it just floats up here. Uh, we, we need the full gospel. Ah, the terror of the Lord as well as sweet Jesus. Revelations 19. He's coming with a sword in his hand. Ah, we need them both. Are you with me? Thus, my friend, if we are to stand in awe and sin not, because that's what Psalms 44 says, we need to look for the white stern face of God as well as the face of his grace. Then, verse 4 of Psalms 4 says, do you have it there? Look at it. Psalms 44. Then it goes on to say, and we're expositing here, commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. The psalmist then says that once we've taken a good look at the terror of the Lord in awe, now we're standing in awe. Once we're standing in awe, we understand the terror of God. Then we are to conduct and to hold a church service by ourselves for ourselves. I don't think you understood me. I'm going to repeat that. It's once you're standing in awe. Because you, now you're stricken with the, the terror of the Lord. The awesomeness of the Lord. He says, now have church. But only one person should show up. You. He's saying, have church with yourself. You be the preacher and you, be the, and you make the altar call. That's what he's saying right here. Uh, we're to preach to our own soul. And make the altar call ourselves. Once we've alarmed ourselves with the, the whiteness of God's throne, next we are to preach to our own heart. Commune with your own heart upon your bed. Ah, what a church and what a sanctuary that your bed and your bedtime manner make. In other words, he's saying have church in bed. That's what he's saying. That's the best time. Ah, I mean, you know, late at night. I mean, that, don't you do some of your best digging in bed? Ah, I mean, I, my wife always goes to sleep before me. Then I have church. Ah, man, you should be at Josie's service. It's quick. But mine is a long one. I mean, I start talking, I start going over my day. That's the best time to commune with yourself. Uh, to preach to myself, what did I do wrong? What can I do better? What's going to happen tomorrow? How can I do this? How, is my heart right? That's what he's saying. Check yourself before you wreck yourself in bed. Ah, uh, and I just say in your car. You can wreck in your car, but you can wreck in your bed too, according to scripture here. Ah. See, the dark of night and the silence of the late hours can create an awesome audience, an audience of one, you. That's what David the psalmist is saying here. In the midnight hour, meditation and introspection can be very, very convenient. Did you hear what I said? In the midnight hour, uh, introspection, meditation can be very convenient, can be so easy. Here you are, no distractions is what I'm trying to say. Uh, because that's what Psalms 4, 4 says, it says, and be still. In other words, hush, shh, be quiet. Just you and the Lord. Rid yourself of all disturbances. Rid yourself of all distractions. Don't let anything interrupt you, the preacher, as you preach to yourself. How many were at the conference the last night? Uh, I was sitting, remember I told you what happened, remember? I was sitting here at this end, and little Ricky was sitting on this end. Uh, Ricky Alanese, gang guy. And his father was preaching. And his father was going to be rudely interrupted. Remember that? Uh, I think Tarzan tried to come down the aisle. 
And I don't know how, but little Ricky was going to rid himself of all distractions from his father. And he tackled the dude. I mean, I never, because I didn't see it. It He's like a flash. Man, he could play for the NFL. Rams don't need him. Maybe some other teams do. Uh, but he flashed, he tackled the dude legally. Uh, that was a legal tackle. Oh, huh? Because he didn't want no distractions from his father. That's what we're supposed to do when the, with our thoughts, when the enemy tries to bring thoughts, tackle the thing. Get rid of the thing. Uh, rid yourself of all these distractions. Then deal with your heart. Search your heart. Test it. Try it like a, like a court trial. Go over your heart. Man, if, Lord, is there anything wrong in me? Is there any sin in me? Examine yourself. Cross-examine yourself. Deal with your heart. See if there be any wicked way in you. Search every corner. Are you with me? Meditate upon it. Think about it at night. Go through every crevice of your heart. Deal with your heart uh, with understanding. And understanding that you're dealing with, with a God that has a sober and stern face. Don't leave any stone unturned. I hope you heard what I said there. Understand, you're dealing with a somber, sober, stern God. That's what it says in the first standing awe. That's what you're dealing with. You're not dealing with sweet Jesus. You're dealing with a stern God. You get out of line, who? Huh? I don't want to fall in the hands of the living God. And I'll check my way. Tomorrow, I'm going to be better. Tomorrow, I'm going to be better. I'm going to listen to Pastor Steve's sermons. Uh, I don't want to put myself in harm's way. Uh, no way. In other words, don't leave a stone unturned. Once we do this, we will then ask, what must I do to be saved? How can I find redemption? Stay with me now. We're going someplace in this sermon. Because once you search yourself, you say, how can I get out of this? Where can I find forgiveness? Where can I find salvation? Where can I find redemption? Where can I find a right standing with God? I want to get right. I don't want to go to hell. Bottom line. Bottom line. You got to tell yourself that a timer 29 for 28 seconds. Hallelujah. Figure that one out. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. Examine yourself. Mm. Then, once we come and we commune with ourselves, once we preach to ourselves and we make the altar call, you preacher, you, upon our own bed. And consequently, uh, we, we're looking for redemption and salvation. We can only come up with one real conclusion. And verse 5 gives us that conclusion. Look at verse 5 of Psalms 4. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness. Righteousness, Al preached on this many years ago when he was here. And there's many definitions of righteousness, right standing with God. But one of them is fairness. Fairness. See, just as Christ offered himself as a sacrifice for our righteousness, so must we, or should we, offer our, ourselves also as a sacrifice. Offer your body a living sacrifice. In light of his forgiveness of our dark and hard heart. In other words, hey, he's forgiven us. My, my heart is squeaky clean now. I meditated upon my bed. I made my own altar call. I'm right with the Lord. Thank God. I've been shaken out of my mistaken ways. And now I'm back in blessings way. No longer, man, hallelujah. Well, once we've done this, once a person has finally been shortstopped, 
dead in his or her tracks by the terror and the holiness of God, then preach to himself successfully, he cannot but help to offer sacrifices to the Lord. See, offerings and sacrificing should not come as difficult to men you know, or, or to an individual who has seen the chilly continents of the face of God. In other words, it should be easy. Man, God, what would you have me to do? Because I'm right with you. You have forgiven me. He that has forgiven much, loveth much. See, he can easily respond to the word of God, regardless of its demands. Ah, I mean, when I was forgiven, when I was, I mean, I've responded like that. I said, God, I don't deserve to be taken from this heroin addiction, but you did it. Man, I, I should go to hell, but I'm going to heaven. I mean, God, my, my life is no longer mine. Whatever you want, head on. That's the way we should all respond to the things of God. See, Paul, years later, would write nearly the very same thing in Romans 12.1. Look at Romans 12.1. Years later, he would write uh, a quick synopsis on Psalms 4. Many of us know it. Roy quoted it already as well during his preachings. Very well-versed portion of Scripture. Do you have it? I beseech or beg or entreat or beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living what? Holy, acceptable unto God, which is your what? Reasonable service. Reasonable means fair. Doesn't reasonableness means fairness? I mean, it's fair. It's only fair for God to ask you for your body, for your life. In view of the mercies of God. In view. In other words, David had saw the awesome presence of God and he stood in awe. Paul did the very same thing. He gets in and he sees the, in view of God's mercies, in view of God's, you know, uh, blessings, in view of God's uh, power, in view of God's, you know, awesome presence. He says, hey, present your body as a living sacrifice. Uh, offer up the sacrifice of you. And it's your reasonable service. It's fair. It's righteousness. Ah. Uh, that's what it says. Offer your sacrifices of righteousness, of fairness. It's only fair. God's not asking for too much. Uh, not at all. Thank God, you know, he's blessed. I mean, what a life, Christianity. Don't we eat pretty good? Don't we breathe real good? Uh, it's a good life, but we got to sacrifice for it. Anything of value, you got to pay a price. Are you with me? Then finally, and as I close, verse 5 says of chapter 4 of Psalms, and put your trust in the Lord. And put your trust in God. See, great and gracious, uh, what, a, what a great and gracious way to close in verse 5, the way David does it. Fear and trembling, obedience and sacrificial offerings end in trust. That's the whole synopsis of my sermon right there. Fear and trembling, offerings and sacrifice and obedience. They end in trust. When you do these, when you, when you catch a glimpse of the, of the stare of the Lord, of the somber, chilly face of God, uh, then you, you, you decide to sacrifice to God and, and be obedient to God and do what God wants you to do. They end by trust, by trusting in the Lord. See, once we discover his holy terror and our false standing, when we're shaken from our mistaken ways, and we then preach to ourselves and get right with God, then we get to work, we then also discover trust and rest. That's how you're going to rest in the Lord. 
You're going to trust God. Anybody, trust and love go together. You can't have one without the other. Uh, and trust keeps us in holy connection with God. Stay with me here because I'm, I'm, I'm ending in, in some place here. I'm parking this thing in a, in a, where I need to park. Uh, some of you, it's handicap parking. Hallelujah. But we got our handicap sign. Uh, we're going to park right now. But, but, but hey, we're going to end the journey right here. But it's a good end. Uh, obedience. All the, they end. They part themselves in trust. Uh, isn't it good when you can, you, you can park in a handicap and you have a handicap sign, you can trust or you're not going to get a ticket? It's a good feeling. Uh, well, that's how we end in verse 5. Trusting God. Thus, the lines and the channels of the blessings and the power of God stay open. They stay open. Uh, when we trust God, when we trust in the Lord, the highway to heaven stays open. There's no traffic congestion. We then, my friend, we then know that he's going to work things out for our good. He will be our defender, our supplier in the battle. We can trust God. He's going to come through for you because you stood in awe. He's gotten your attention with that Josie face. Hmm, I'm doing something wrong. But then you get right. You do what you're supposed to do. You should see my honey when I'm right with her. He kisses me. Uh, I love her smile. She got the most beautiful smile. That's a godly smile. She's got that God. She's got that God. I love to see my wife smile. She's like, I know. Whoo, I can get a little carefree. <laughs> then I look, uh-oh. All right, what do I do now? All right, I'll throw out the trash. Then about three hours later, I said, I threw out the trash. Oh, thank you, honey. I'm right with, I'm right with Josie. Uh, well, the trust is there. Because uh, it's the same thing with God. Uh, the lines of communication are open. He can, he'll do all that he wants for us. He'll bless us. He'll honor us. He'll be our defender. He'll be our supplier. That's like, remember the, 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 the Gulf War, the desert storm? You know how he conquered those guys? Because their lines of communication were severed. Uh, there, was, there was no trust between Baghdad and the front lines. They, they couldn't fight. They couldn't do the battle. They couldn't win the war. Uh, because there was no lines of, of, of supply. Nobody to help defend them. Uh, they were severed. That's what happens when you're not right with God. God can't supply all your needs. God can't fight your battles. He can't help you in your battle because it's been cut. But when you do what you're supposed to do, then you can trust he's going to come through. I know I'm going through a storm. I know I'm going through a valley. I know I'm going through some hard times. But I trust God because our lines of communications are open. The highway to heaven is open. I know he's going to supply. I know he's going to defend. I know he's going to bring in the troops. I know he's going to bring in reinforcements. I know he's going to send his Holy Spirit. I know he's going to send his power. I'm going to be all right. Don't he slay me. Yet will I praise him. I'll just end up in heaven. Hallelujah. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. I can't lose. We'll fight our battles. He'll fight our battles. The lines will be open. I don't know if you caught yesterday, but Roy said something. When he was preaching, he said, when you're not right with God, righteous is fairness. When you're not where you're supposed to be. Remember he said, then fight your own battle. He said, you better give it your best shot. Remember that? Uh, if God's not helping you, you better give it your best shot. Because God's not going to fight for you. I don't want to be like that. I tried on my own. 
I need the lines of communication. I need the highway to heaven to be open. Because I can't do it alone. Remember a story I told years ago, and with this I'll close. About a little kid who was playing what we call in the neighborhood in Spanish, carritos. Anybody ever heard that term? Uh, carritos. means little cars. And our parents would buy us little cars or we'd get them one way or another. We're talking neighborhood here. Uh, and then we'd go to the backyard and play carritos. And we'd make highways. Uh, highways, how funny. You go like this with your hand. Uh, this is a good highway. I wasn't into double lanes back then. Hallelujah. Uh, one kid was playing carritos, but there was a big, huge rock there. And he, man, and he wanted to take the highway through there. He couldn't build a tunnel. He couldn't, man, he was trying to get that rock out of there. It took him out. He couldn't do it. And he wanted to get to the other side because it make the highway good. He'd been tired of playing just on this side. So he goes and he tells his dad, man, he says, so how come he came in? Ah, I can't play no more. I wanted to build my highway on the other side, but I couldn't move that rock. He said, yeah. He says, yeah, I tried everything I could. I couldn't do it. Tried everything. His dad said, you tried everything? Oh, yeah, I tried everything. Couldn't do it. And then his dad said, you didn't try everything. What do you mean I didn't try everything? Yeah, you didn't. You didn't ask me to move it. You didn't ask me to help you. Because I could do it. Huh? See, we've got to keep those lines of communication open. Then we can always try everything. And don't wait for God to be the last resort. Let him be the first resort. Uh, I want every head bowed. And every ankle shaken from our mistaken way. Some of you think you're right with God. Not all that say, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But Father, we cast out demons in your name. We did this, that, and the other in your name. Depart from me. I never knew you. Yes, it says to commune in your own bed, but listen. Preach to yourself this morning. Are you right with God? Are you right where you need to be? Well, I'm young yet. Well, so are my children. They decided to serve the Lord and search their hearts as well. Well, I'm a PK. So, we all got to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. PKs and P's, pastors and preachers alike, pastors, kids, and that's the head. If God zeroes in on the head, how much more the body? Because when the head goes, the body goes. Preach to yourself this morning. Are you ready to meet your maker? Are the lines of communication available for you? This is a sombering sermon. Because there's people here. God wouldn't have given me the sermon if there weren't people here that thought they were okay. And you're acting careless. You're acting carefree. And listen, even acting indifferent. Like if everything's okay. I remember the day my wife and I had to deal with our issues. She was near indifference. And I've taught about this before. It's nothing new. Boy, was I ever shaken from my mistaken ways. And I can still have a tendency to get indifferent at times or careless. That we need to get right with God. So every head is bowed and every close spirit of God moving to ministry. And you say, Brother Steve, this sermon was for me. I don't want to become indifferent. I don't want to divorce myself from 
the presence of the Lord, the power of the Lord. And I need to be alarmed every now and then. If that's you here this morning, search your heart, would you? Yes, you could wait till the chamber of your bed, but don't do that. Do it right now.